Hi friends, welcome or welcome back to Simplicity with Katie. I am your host, Katie. Um, (laughs) Today, I thought it would be fun to share my testimony. I rewrite my testimony quite often because I always say I'm going to tell it to people like I was going to do an event a few months ago, but unfortunately, I was unable to make it, but um, I got a new mic. Hopefully, it's not loud. Hopefully, it's okay. I went to Bath and Body the other day with my grandma, and they were having a sale, but um, I got the cutest little, like, candle holder for single wicks, and then I got a eucalyptus stress relief candle. It smells amazing. It makes my room kind of smell like a therapist office, but, you know, that's kind of the vibe for today's episode, so... Anyway, I'm really just gonna start into it. So, the prodigal son is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Uh, The parable of the lost son, the parable of the prodigal son, whichever one you're more familiar with. It's a very familiar story among, I guess, with born-again believers. But if you haven't heard it, basically it is about a son who kind of begs his father to give him his inheritance early Uh, And then he proceeds to run off with it and then become reckless with it and just completely abandons his family and his father in the process. However, uh, after famine and hunger eventually took hold of him, he began to realize that uh, what his father had given him was nothing compared to being in the presence of his father. In Luke chapter 15, verse 18 through 19, he says... I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So here he realizes what, what he had done and how he should be treated because of what he had done. But this is what his father says in verse 20. He arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. I talked about this in um, my Empathy with God episode, and I just love this verse, and we're going to get into why. I feel like we have all been prodigal children. We have all been a prodigal son, a prodigal daughter. This story really resonates with me because uh, my testimony is kind of like split in half. It's how I found God, and then I neglected God. And then I soon realized I was nothing without him, just like the man in the story. So I grew up in a very toxic home. I'm going to spare some of the details for sake of time, um, because I want to focus on the second half more than the first half. But my parents were divorced, my father left, my mother was an alcoholic, uh, and abuse and neglect kind of surrounded me and my siblings. There was a lack of love in my life. And after moving around a few times, we eventually moved to Illinois with my grandparents. And at 14, though, my mother got an apartment. Uh, her very first apartment is my very first time living with just my mom and my uh, two of my siblings. I have like six siblings, I think. Um, five or six. I don't feel like counting right now. But at this apartment, however, I was a freshman and she had relapsed. And eventually, uh, after drinking and whatnot, she started taking her anger out on us. And she had a very, uh, let's just say she had a boyfriend that wasn't very mm, safe. She had a very unsafe boyfriend, I suppose. And so she relapsed and she started taking her anger out on us. And she kicked us out every night to drink uh, and whatnot. And um, she isolated us from my entire family. Okay, 
I want to, I don't want to, like, I want to protect her privacy and not bash my mom because I love my mom and, you know, everybody has their own issues and I don't want it to seem like I'm bashing my mother, but I'm just telling my story, so. Anyway, um, yeah, she kind of isolated us from our family my entire life, but once we moved into the apartment with her, it kind of got a little worse, more isolation, holding us back from even talking to our family members. I got my first phone at 15. Uh, shocker, that is pretty late, and not a lot of people get their first phone at 15 years old, but that's when I got my first phone. Uh, through this phone, I was able to reconnect with some of the family that my mom had cut us off from. I finally got that finally got that privilege to talk to some of those family members that I was cut off from. And through a video recording app called Marco Polo, um oh my goodness, okay. This this app was called Marco Polo and basically what you could do was you can send a video. It's like FaceTime with a delay. So I can send my friend a video and they can just get back on their own time so it's like texting but with a video i only used it with my aunt and uncle and i still only use it with my aunt and uncle and they live in tennessee they live in tennessee where i'm planning on moving um we started talking to them and reconnecting over this app and my uncle and my aunt started talking to me about god uh obviously at first i was very standoffish i mean <laughs> we lived literally on a church parking lot like y'all my apartment was on a church parking lot. I went to a youth group a couple times, you know, I thought that I was saved because of that and that uh, I was a good person. I knew some biblical stories. Not really though, I just knew a few. Um, I went to church on Christmas a few times in my life, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I thought I knew God and I didn't, but I let my curiosity win at the end of the day and after a couple months, they sent me a study Bible, which I use from time to time, you know, I didn't use it consistently, but I did, uh, I guess, feed into my, my growing curiosity, I suppose, uh, throughout this hard time of my life. You know, uh, even with everything going on with my mom still and COVID happening, there was still stuff going on at home, and I remember uh, just as my school, like, guidance counselor, I suppose, started to notice that things were going on at home, COVID happened, which one, trapped us at home, made it even worse, and then two, uh, my mom would not let us call that counselor, I suppose. So she would see the calls and then decline them, so I didn't even have that kind of outlet. But with this Bible, I suppose I kind of just started reading it a little more. In October of 2020, I encountered the love of Christ for the first time, and I realized the transformation that God provides. I was staying with my grandparents, and I my mom was in rehab, I think. She was in and out of rehab a couple times, so I think this was one of those times. So I was staying in my grandparents' uh, what was what was the guest room at the time in their house, and I was so frustrated with my entire like, I guess life situation. I was so frustrated with the way it was happening, and I was plagued with anxiety. I was plagued with um doubt in God. Like, I remember my aunt and uncle praying over us one time when we were still at my mom's and praying for us to get out of the situation and for my mom to be healed. And I just kept saying to them, where is God? And I was very, very mean to them. So props to them for having patience because I was so mean. And I thought I could excuse that by saying, oh, um, I'm not trying to sound mean. And then I'd completely trash their beliefs. But that night on October 4th, 2020, I came across a TikTok live. And if you know Yasmin Bergato, that's who it was. 
she was crying and that she was worshiping. So she was crying while singing um, songs about God, songs about Jesus. And I remember her pausing the music to talk about some of the things that she was going through with her family. And I saw that even still, like, this 15, 16-year-old girl my age was worshiping God through these situations, through the circumstances that she was in. And that was the moment that I realized that Christ was not as bad as the world made me believe um, and as Satan made me believe. So, I mean, hey, when an adult is complaining about how bad phones are for us, this story kind of shows that it's not at all, like, it's not entirely horrible for us because through a phone is how I kind of encountered God, so... Anyway, so I remember writing in my notes app that night about how overwhelming it felt to feel a love so great and so massive, a love that I never believed. I never believed in because for the past 15 years of my life, I had lived without it. I remember um, going on Marco Polo, that video recording app, and uh, talking to my aunt and uncle and just weeping uh, after and during that video because of what God had shown me. I was not used to receiving that kind of treatment, and so I started weeping because God showed me in my moment of weakness, after all that had happened in the pa those past few months with my mom and with my family and other circumstances and other things that had happened and my loneliness and my doubt, I finally saw that there was hope and that there was love purer than I could ever imagine. So my mom... um Unfortunately, she ended up relocating, but this did answer the prayer that I mentioned earlier that I uh, kind of trashed my aunt and uncle for, which, hello, like that prayer had so much power. I ended up moving with my grandparents. I still live with them. Uh, so I moved back in, back in with them. I got the opportunity that year to go to Tennessee two weeks later. Uh, and then one night, my uncle spontaneously brought up the idea of, hey, why haven't you gotten baptized? And the next day I got baptized. And so um, I got baptized on October 20th, 2020. So I like to say that was the day I was saved. Um, so yeah, it's been two years. You know, I learned a lot. But as soon as I quit remote learning and went back to school junior year, I fell into deep anxiety and depression. This is the side of my story that I like to call my prodigal son era. So, for some context, I had no friends. I had one friend or two friends, and I'm still friends with them to this day. And we met kind of online, but they went to my school, and they were both Christians. And we kind of bonded over that, and that was pretty interesting. Um, I started posting about God on social media, and I got trashed at my school. People would send it to group chats. People would hate on me. People would bully me and send me uh, threatening messages and whatnot. Um, some of them have apologized, which I'm very thankful for because you don't see that a lot with high school bullies, I suppose. And um, it's also died down a ton. Like, they hardly ever say anything anymore because it's just who I am. Like, my identity lies in Christ now. But, however, I quit. like I said before, when I quit remote learning, I went back to school. My junior year, I fell into deep anxiety and depression. Because issues I had previously suppressed, they'd resurfaced. So, um, junior year consisted of weekly anxiety attacks. I had anxiety attacks so often that I would skip class and go to the guidance office and sit in there. And I had a very abusive family member at that time, which kind of produced, like, a never-ending fear in my life and kind of brought up past wounds and just gave me new traumas to endure. 
that was really horrible. But I really just fell into bad eating habits. I would chew floss and I would chew gum rather than eating. Uh, I only ate salads when I was hungry. I I did that for probably the majority of my junior year and I lost a bunch. I lost a lot of weight, which at the time I didn't notice. And, you know, when you're in that moment, all you're thinking is, why am I not losing this weight? Why do I still look the same? But then now when I look back, it's like, wow, I was way too thin. I'll tell you that much. Um, compared for, Comparing sophomore to junior year, yeah. I ended up meeting a guy. And I'm sure a lot of teenage girls have this experience where you meet a guy, they make you feel so special and worthy, and then they tell you how special you are, and they tell you everything you want to hear at 15, 16 years old. And um, one night, he kind of just switched up. And uh, I remember something that he said that really hurt me was um, that uh, he would never love me and that I could never be loved by him. And he would play or he would play trauma Olympics with me a lot. And wow, I'm actually gonna cry over this. This is pretty sad. It has a good it has a good ending. It has a great ending. I promise you, or else I wouldn't be recording this anyway. Um, it was really hard because some of the things that he said, you know, it. I know it's looking back now. It's like wow, you could have gotten out of that. But when you're in that situation, and one night. This guy was being perfect as can be, or perfect like a 16-year-old girl thinks he is. Um, and then the next night, kind of just trashing you and cussing you out and pointing out every single flaw that you have. It was just back and forth, back and forth. It was, it was kind of just walking on eggshells and not knowing their mood and wanting that love. And so after that... I sought male validation from many different guys for months, y'all. I, I became addicted to this routine. And then worst of all, I neglected God throughout all of this. And I fell into deep self-harm every night for months. And it started off with um, just a slight burning. But I didn't like that. So I turned to cutting. And this is really hard to admit because um, I'm ashamed of it and I regret it, obviously. And, um, yeah. To sum all of my issues, I guess, at this time up, there was major, major abuse. Uh, I wasn't eating. I was starving myself. I was seeking male validation to fill the void inside of me that only God could fill. Um, and I fell into self-harm. So I neglected God completely throughout all of this. And um, I started skipping school either to aid my depression because my depression uh, was so, like it literally controlled my brain. I, I was either anxious or just did not want to go to school or I, it just affected me physically. I could not go in to school from sickness. Like when people say that your depression affects you physically, I'm not being overdramatic. This might be TMI for men, so if you're a man, don't be grossed out, but uh, I did miss my period for like 180 days or whatever. I, I wasn't even getting my period. That's how bad, because these things do affect that cycle. It affects my, I get migraines a lot, and it just made them worse. Uh, obviously, it makes you very irritable, and you treat everybody around you like crap, so I ended up just hiding my room, and I isolated myself from everybody in my life. I cut out every person in my life that I was close to. 
and I was used to my mom doing that growing up, so I just did it. It worked for her, it might work for me, you know? That kind of mindset. I specifically remember the two friends that I previously mentioned. I remember them quartering me at school because they knew I was avoiding them and they thought I hated them. And the only thing I could come up with is, uh, I've been busy or I'm tired. So, basically, I was your typical depressed girl from Hollywood movies. As pick me as that sounds. That sounds kind of pick me, but I don't care. I wore the same clothes to school that I wore to bed. I didn't wear any makeup. And if you know me, I cannot go out with make without makeup. I can't. <laughs> um, I was in so deep with my hatred uh, that I didn't care. I covered up my mirror with a towel, I'm pretty sure. I think it was a towel. Because I just hated myself so much. I could not even go out because I hated myself. And uh, I didn't go anywhere. I had my phone on do not disturb to ignore everybody. And I tried different ways to get me out of this. I tried journaling. Uh, my entire journal was filled with what I would do if I were to end my life. Uh, it was filled with self-harm confessions and insecurity and anxiety and loneliness and everything. So I tried making cute little vlogs, like day in my life, blah, blah, of like the happy moments, you know? And I tried to use this to push me through. But my motivation disappeared, so I didn't make those vlogs anymore. I tried baking. But, like, I wasn't eating much. The pan was just sitting there for, like, a week. I tried seeking counsel from my new friends that I had made. Uh, which, they weren't Christian, so, um, they weren't very- giving very godly advice. Which, you know, I didn't expect them to. And also, I was isolating for weeks at a time, so that kind of wasn't helping, um, my case. So, yeah, I was numb. I was numb to everything. Like, I know it sounds like I'm being overdramatic and I might sound like a pick-me-girl, uh, but I don't care. I was numb to everything. I was numb to school, life, friends, God. I was- I was numb to God. I tried everything except for God, even though he was the only one who brought me out of so much before. And I have a verse that I do want to read, and I read this verse this morning, so I think it is very appropriate to read right now. Hosea 7 verses um, 13 through 15. Woe to them, for they have fled from me. Destruction to them, because they have d transgressed against me. Though I redeem them, they have spoken lies against me. They did not cry out to me with their heart when they willed upon their beds. Though I disciplined and strengthened their arms, they devised evil against me. They returned, but not to the Most High. I, um, I kind of, I read this this morning and I felt horrid because I felt so bad because that was me. And when it, when the Bible says, woe to them, when God says in this verse, woe to them for they have fled from me. I see this as more of a destruction awaits if we are not seeking God. Because that's what happened to me. I lived in a self-destruction pattern because I neglected God. I knew what he had done for me before. I knew what he could do for me. But I was so deep-rooted in my issues, mental illness, that I, it, I didn't care. I remember my aunt and uncle constantly checking in on me texting me and trying to get me out of this place but I was so angry I was so angry with them for not understanding um I've talked to them about this I think I've apologized from for this a few times but I was so angry with them because they just didn't I felt like I felt like they didn't understand and uh, I kind of felt like 
the whole world was against me, if you know what that feeling is like, and it sucks. So, yeah, like I said, even though God had brought me so much before, like, he had brought me out of so much before, uh, I wasn't living in active obedience anymore, and I was going back to the very same sins that he had revealed to me were wrong. That the very things that separated me from him and his eternal glory, the very same addictions and the very same sins that I had been delivered from previously, I went back to them for comfort rather than the God who delivered me from them, the God of comfort. Things got so bad, I turned so far from God that I had planned my own death at the age of 16. I would write pros and cons list. I would write how I would do it. I would write um, all of it out. And I was so angry with God because I thought that it was his fault that I was feeling the way that I did and I was doing the things that I was doing. I thought it was his fault. I blamed him for it, even though it wasn't his fault. But um, I had one friend that for some reason I was, uh, for some reason this friend was the only one that I had never cut out or never shut out. And uh, this friend was the only one who told me to seek help. This friend was the one who told me to seek help. To stop letting my negativity hold so much power over my life. This friend encouraged me to stop carving my skin. And I was so scared to tell anyone about my self-harm um, that I was doing every night to myself or, or anything else I was doing to myself because I thought that the one person that I talked to at this time uh, would hate me. But instead of seeing me with disgust, I was shown empathy. And I was shown how dangerous the things that I was doing, how dangerous they were. I was shown love. And I was shown that I needed to get help because I would only get worse. And there were people who cared about me despite how I felt. There were people who cared about me, even if I didn't feel that way. So God worked through that friend. And even though I neglected God because he knew that his plan will be fulfilled at the end of the day. So one night, I ended up having one of those freakish psychotic episodes that you see on TV. It actually happened in real life, and I was screaming and crying and um, breaking down. And I'm pretty sure my grandma... I'm pretty sure my grandma considered putting me in a hospital. Kidding, kidding. But this is a part of my story that I like to call my homecoming. Or after a long time of like me asking about it... Um, I was finally put into therapy, and this time I did what my friends suggested, and I was honest. Um, being honest and vulnerable in therapy was not easy because after years of going to counseling as a child, my mother would like kind of give me a list of things not to talk about in therapy, so I was never, I kind of was trained to not be honest in therapy, so it was different to uh, be honest, and I thought that I was going to be put in a hospital for self-harm and suicide risk or how I ate, I guess. I was just scared. But my counselor ended up calling it outpatient therapy. That's what she would tell me it was. And after a while, I stopped harming. I stopped my cycle of male validation. And um, I think I stopped that in the summer. I think I just cut off all of those guys. Uh, and then God had taken that sort of abuse the abuse that had been in my life since before I could remember, he took that out of my life. God emphasized my need for him through that tragic year and through the years prior. 
after reading the book of Job, which is one of my favorite books, I now see that that God used my struggles and suffering to emphasize why I need to depend on him. Because when I quit doing so, when I quit going to God and surrendering to God and being vulnerable, vulnerable with God, I fall into such a destructive lifestyle. And this entire testimony proves that without him, I fail. I fail. Because I'm not... I'm not giving my all to him. I'm not living for him wholeheartedly. So, since then, I have been delivered from depression, uh, which may seem unrealistic in the modern world, but um, God is endless. Which means that, you know, his work is endless, his power is boundless, and his power brought me to repentance so that I may live with him for eternity. And my hope rests in that. My hope literally rests in that fact. You do not have to be a product of your environment when you can be a product of Christ. You know, your identity does not have to lie within the issues that you have dealt with for years when it can lie within Christ. My scars will not hold me back. And my past cannot hold me back. Surrendering it all to God was the most vulnerable and powerful thing I've ever done in my life. And that's available to you. That's available to anyone. He laid his life down for you. Listen to me. Hebrews 4.15 says, We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of God that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in times of need. Listen, Jesus, under Jesus understands in verse 20 of Luke 15, it says, When he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. 22, verse 22, it says, His father said to the servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. My son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and is found. God did not shame me when I came back to him. Why am I crying? Why am I crying right now? I'm like tearing up a little bit. My voice is like breaking. God did not shame me when I came back to him. He welcomed me with open arms. And I, as hard as that time was, as hard as that time of my life was, I learned so much through it. I am so content with life now. And I don't think I would be that way if I hadn't gone through the things I had before. Could I have done, dealt with it a little differently? Yes. But God took the way that I dealt with it and brought me through because I returned to him. I returned to him. And I now realize that those actions held me back from him and held me back from the content and joy and comfort that he provides. I do. The last verse I want to read to you that just came into my mind, which I used to love, um, is Second Corinthians 4, verses 8 through 10. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but we are never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. 
So, that is my testimony, and I'm sure you can tell now why I focus so much on the ending of it. Because for me, that was the most life-changing of all. As hard as dealing with my mom and, like, the alcoholism and the abuse and the odd, strange family dynamics that I grew up with, the perversion that I grew up with, the assaults that I grew up with, I feel as if that all led me to where I am now, and I'm thankful for it. I really am. Because the Bible says... That Jesus will turn your mourning into dancing. He will turn your your sorrow into glory. If you just surrender it all to him. And that right there is the only thing that can provide the most intimacy with Christ in your life. Is surrendering. So thank you so much for listening to this. I hope that anything I said helped. My Instagram is katiebachman7. My podcast Instagram, however, is Simplicity with Katie. Simplicity WKT. <laughs> Thank you for listening to me cry. And all glory goes to God. I am having a hard time figuring out what to film next and talk about on this podcast, but God willing, I'll find some things. So again, thank you for listening, and uh, I'll catch you next time.